Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about when you want your partner to be more romantic. And uh, before we get to that, please do subscribe. The most recent one was about what your child learns from seeing you and your partner interact um, in terms of how you interact when you're not in a happy place with your spouse. When you are in a happy place, it's different. They only learn good things. But many, many people who are listening are, are not in dynamics that, that they really enjoy. And they may think that if they don't openly fight with their spouse or throw things or, or you know, act generally volatile, then their child is not much affected. But the child is affected. And that becomes a template for their romantic relationships and friendships and everything else. So you should definitely subscribe and listen to that. There's there's like 75 other episodes too. All right, so moving to today's topic. So I posted some little thing about how my husband did something romantic for me for our dating anniversary, which I always post because I like to. (laughs) And uh, people tell me that it's nice for them to see, you know, like what it looks like if you're happily remarried. Uh, More clients than you know have actually come to me because they are not happily married and thought that from seeing me remarry that it would be something that would be possible for them, which I didn't even really think about as I was living my life. In fact, I thought if anything, possibly people wouldn't want to see a marriage counselor who was divorced, but in fact, the opposite happened and I got way, way more referrals, which when I think about it, Interestingly, I would prefer to go to a divorced and remarried couples counselor myself than somebody in the first marriage because at least you know that they know what it, what it is to be unhappily married. You know, because some people, from what I hear, this is just an aside because people um, – People talk to me about their previous relationships with other therapists, you know, and there's some people where you just don't even think that they've had anything like what you've experienced and it makes you hard, it makes it hard to um, interact and to trust that clinician and that may be fair or not fair, but either way, it seems to be easy for clients to kind of bond more to Therapists that they think have gone through some sort of lived experience, and in terms of marital counseling, having been in a marriage that was less than perfect, therefore divorcing, uh, seems to make people really think, oh, you know, like you're not going to judge me, you probably know more what I'm going through and whatever my individual situation is. And then on top of it, it's interesting because a lot of people have said that it makes them think, oh, wow, there could be hope for me to remarry happily from following my story, which was very unexpected. Um in my life trajectory. But anyway, so I posted about that my husband did something romantic for our dating anniversary, which he always does these romantic things. And somebody said, oh, this uh, following you makes me realize how much I want a romantic partner. And I thought that was, you know, a very nice thing to say. And, and interesting, though, because I deal with this a lot. So that was the kind of the last remark before I was like, okay, I definitely have to make a podcast about this topic. Because I see a lot of people who want a romantic partner, but 
And they're usually comparing it to an ex who is not romantic or a current partner who's not romantic. And I see this equally among men and women. So definitely it's not the case that women want these romantic guys and men are just not romantic. That is the opposite of true. Loads and loads of men want a more romantic partner. And it's interesting because so many men that talk about wanting better sex lives, what they really want is just more romance. They want more feeling, more intensity, more love, really. And that's how they they think about love in in a man's mind it's like a love scene you know like sometimes it's a porn scene but sometimes it's like a you know we fall into each other's arms type of love scene and in women it's not much different but it just doesn't go into sex as quick as it does for a man there's we're different we're wired differently So anyway, um, there are lots of benefits to being with somebody who's more romantic, but there's also, like, there's no free lunch. And I did a podcast about that. There's no free lunch in terms of your partner's personality. So I talk about this all the time with guys who are more, who are frustrated with their stay-at-home mom, wives, laid-back personality. So they come in, everything's a mess, and, you know, the kids are just eating snacks, and they think, oh, if it was me, I would have had them up, and I would have had them going, and I would have had a meal cooked and I would have had them go to, you know, a little gymnastics class or whatever the hell. And they're probably right. Like, it's not like I don't believe any bullshit like, oh, well, the man just doesn't know how hard it is. Frequently, these guys are doing everything on the weekend and they're like, you know, super type A with the kids as they are super type A in general. But what they don't realize is that an equivalently type A spouse would also be critical of them, would have competing ideas, would not be so impressed with them all the time, especially in the dating stage. So they wouldn't have been drawn to a fellow type A person at that point. There's no free lunch. If you want a woman who's like, wow, you can get all that done in a day, then she's somebody who can't get all that done in a day. (laughs) Like, that's why she's impressed, you know? I mean, like, if she could do it too, she wouldn't be that impressed. So you always have to understand that you pick somebody based on what you need at the time, you know? And then a lot of people go back and punish this person unintentionally for then not being who who you need at a later time of your self-development. And I've also done another podcast about... Um, like don't get mad at your partner for being exactly who you picked when you had lower self-esteem. And so I forget how that one's worded, but it has self-esteem in the title, so you could find it. So anyway, what are, so two things. So there's women who uh, want a more romantic husband, and then there's men who want a more romantic wife, you know, so I guess we could talk about those separately. They're not that separate. But then there's also people who are the more romantic person and like who are very, very, um, who, who do not look in at themselves and their downsides, you know, and understand why they aren't with somebody just like them, you know. So, all right, so let's start with that. If you're a very romantic person, right, what does that really mean? It means you're spontaneous. It means that you're sensitive. It means that you very much prioritize closeness. It means you have this kind of cinematic internal, like, montage, like when you, you have like a more creative way of thinking, you know, so that you can plan these special little things and you're observant about, you know, when you go somewhere, maybe you'll pick up a special present or you'll remember when somebody says they really want to do something and then you'll plan it. Like you have a different kind of brain. You're probably most likely a highly sensitive person and you're probably on the creative end. What else are those people like? 
they could be real difficult. You know, those people could be real difficult. Just like there's higher rates of bipolarity among like musicians and artists, there's there's no free lunch. <laughs> like if a brain if a brain is wired very differently, then it's wired very differently. I talk to people about this like all the time. People who struggle with moodiness are often the most creative, like sensitive people in a good way. Well, they're also sensitive in a bad way. They're very responsive to negative events. They their mood goes up and down in response to things that happen during the day more than somebody who's less romantic usually. So frequently the people who are like super stable you know that every day they get up they do the same thing they're at the same job for like 10 20 years they are just going up the ladder they are extremely attractive to people who grew up in dysfunctional childhoods especially chaotic ones you really like that idea of a person that just you know does not seem to be impacted much by the world you know in the ways that you yourself are as the more creative romantic sensitive person so you're really drawn to this sort of stability is particularly true for women who are who know in some way frequently that they're going to want to stay home with kids and or stay home temporarily with kids or have kids and so therefore don't want to be the primary earner in case they want to stay home or reduce hours or whatever with kids. I and mean, this is like a real thing. So at that stage where you want to have kids, like it seems like a really good deal to go for somebody super stable. And this is even more important if you don't have any family help with the kids and you know that you yourself are more of a moody, sensitive person such that you're not counting on your own ability to make money. And you want to be with somebody who is stable and who will always have a job. It's like very evolutionarily safe salient for young women of the type that I'm describing. For men that want a more romantic partner, because they, okay, so men who want a more romantic partner, they also have a super, usually have a very high sex drive, right? So if the woman is having sex with them early, they, they, they don't understand that like they're also supposed to kind of search for a romantic woman. Their needs are met in the honeymoon stage. The woman who is like the less romantic, more stable, more, you know, just like even keel person, more practical, more pragmatic, that person's having a bunch of sex with them. So frequently the man, the more romantic man, he is kind of projecting all of his internal romantic feelings on the woman. When in reality, the woman, she loves him, but she just doesn't really think about things on the way that he is. So we'll go back in time when we're talking couples counseling or even individual counseling with the more romantic man that's married to a less romantic woman. Uh, he'll be like, um, you know, talking about like his memories and like things that he remembers about their early relationship. And like he's trying to describe how it's changed so much. And when we go through some of those, the woman wasn't even like thinking remotely what the guy was thinking at the time that that was happening. He's going to be like, we were so close and connected on our honeymoon. And she'll be like, I don't really remember our honeymoon except that I was kind of sick and jet lagged the whole time, you know? And so it, it becomes obvious that in the honeymoon stage, the more romantic male frequently projects an internal experience onto his female partner that just isn't there because he assumes that it's there because it's how he thinks, but it's not. Now, women do less of that projection, 
I don't know why. I assume because they are more verbal about their emotions. I mean, you know, and so they constantly are saying, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So that it becomes pretty clear, pretty quick that the man does not think on as deep a level as they do about the romantic side of the relationship. But again, usually their biology has taken over and it's like stable, attractive mate, want to breed. Like that is literally what your ovaries are saying. So they kind of say, all right, well, you know what? He expresses his love in other ways, like acts of service. I mean, like everybody knows the love languages now, so I would imagine even people in their 20s are understanding, you know, love language, and they're saying, okay, well, I'm sure I could be fine with acts of service. And then in reality, they're not because they are a highly sensitive person who's very romantic, and they will always miss kind of not having that dimension. So um, also, okay, so then this is why people, this is why people pick you know, a non-romantic partner, but then like, what is the, how do they think about themselves? They frequently overstate their good sides as the romantic partner and understate how difficult they are and how much they, as the more moody, kind of more, uh, you know, up and down, moody, easily affected by things person, how hard it would be to be partnered with another person similar to yourself. So especially when in the thick of raising small children, that would be pretty difficult. Now, when that stage is over, I very often see, this is my classic uh, couple you meet in counseling, the annoyingly satisfied husband and the wife who wants more, and the inverse, like men who are in that situation, after the whole like building a career, having young kids, like survival stage, this is when people frequently reevaluate and they're like, I want somebody more romantic. Like this, we do not have a, a closeness. I don't feel any kind of real emotional, spiritual connection with this person. I feel like we're just roommates and we're just kind of here together, but we don't have a bond. So, and, and the reality is that after you raise small children, after that stage, you know, you're focusing more on one another. And this is when, if people have really different views about how to be close within a romantic relationship, that's when this becomes very salient. And that is when you don't need certain things from the romantic person anymore, right? So Mr. Romantic Guy could like not have a good job, you know? Like he could struggle with mental health issues. He could have, you know... Uh, all, all sorts of, 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 of issues, you know, but if you don't need to procreate with that person and you don't need to, um, and you could support yourself, you're working, your kids are older and everything, you know, you may not care the way that you did when you were 25 and instinctively looking for um, a mate that would carry your family, you know, in, in case you couldn't. So this is when it's more assortative mating where the highly sensitive romantic people find one another and the people that are so sick of being with somebody who wanted more, 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 what the hell do you even want from me? You know, the people who were partnered with more romantic partners that always wanted more romance and more closeness 
just, they find each other, you know, and they just have very different sort of relationships. So they have much more activity centered relationships is what I see. So like a guy who was told for like, you know, 15 years by his ex-wife that he wasn't romantic enough um, and that he was gone too much and he wanted, and she wants more time with him and all this stuff will probably meet a woman that likes the same kind of activities as he does, that also likes to be on the go, that is fine being on her own when he travels for work, that says, great, because I'm traveling for work myself the following week. So those non-romantic, quote-unquote, people that are more activity-based, more practical, more into... um, I guess it's not as much acts of service all the time, but it is quality time, acts of service, and not gifts, that's the romantic people, not maybe words of affirmation. It's just like, um, it's a much more active kind of um, concrete sort of relationship that I see in those people. And then the romantic people kind of find each other and want this like super soulmate connection. And they can frequently find it when people are less blinded by those early stages of biology where you want two competing things. So you want a super romantic person, but also somebody that is going to be super stable. And this problem also happens, by the way, men have to think about this too. If you're super upset with your wife for not being really romantic let me tell you and I've said this before in a different podcast but the romantic women don't go for guys who are traveling for work all the time they just don't or they're just not happy with those guys so a lot of times I get guys who are on the master of the universe um, sphere as clients like they've gotten to the, the, the top of their profession and at that point they're like well man why can't I have have it all really like a romantic loving relationship and enjoy the fruits of my labor for that I had you know labored all of these years to get to and it's like, well, because the romantic, sweet, loving woman that was going to want to spend every second with you would have divorced you in those early years of your career because she would have been left alone all the time to watch the kids and to be fine supporting you when you have to go here and there and I'm flying here and I'm doing this. And then with my limited time, I'm also going to golf with the boys and I'm going to do this and I have to network and I have to go to the happy hour. The very romantic women would not have put up with that shit. And it's the same thing with like the women who really, really want sex. They don't want that either because in order to really have sex a lot, you got to be around. And so many men in particular, I see this more with men because men are more the ones who have these constant work, travel sorts of careers when there's young kids. Maybe it'll change in subsequent generations or even much sooner than that. But either way, in terms of who I work with, the... The men who were traveling all the time and were very happy that the wife held down the fort, that was not going to be a super romantic woman that wants to glom onto your side and have sex and kiss and cuddle every night and can't sleep without you in the bed because she has to sleep without you in the bed because you've gone all the time. So it's a very interesting sort of thing to think about is don't like decide now that you're at this stage of your career, oh, you know what? I would have done better all along with this more touchy-feely type of woman. Probably not. Probably you would have ripped your hair out of your head, you know, because you would have been like, but I have to go. I have to go. This is my job. I have to go. And she would have been crying. So, you know, it's all well and good to then say, okay, well, at this stage of my life, I want something different. But 
please understand that that is a you thing. Like your life stage has changed such that you want something else. Don't go back and do revisionist history where you say, oh, like I, I was unhappy all along. You probably weren't as unhappy as you think all along. You probably were partnered with somebody who is very, very adaptively suited for her role in your family life which was to be in the background with the children dealing with all of that shit that you never had to worry about while you focused on your career. So that's just a little aside to the myriad men who listen to this that are in that position. In terms of the women, they could say that they want a romantic man, that they would have done better all along with a romantic man. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes the romantic man is also, you know, stable enough. And, um, you know, he's... Uh, emotionally healthy enough. But a lot of times, <laughs> the romantic and creative guy was not who you would have gone for when you were 25 when he was still trying to make his band work, you know? And, you know, like, or, or he was still, you know, backpacking through Europe or whatever the hell he was doing because he likes to, like, sit on a mountaintop with a paperback, you know, and introspect. That is probably not who you would have been drawn to earlier in life. So you also have to understand the confluence and the overlap and the Venn diagram between life stage and uh you know how 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 happy you would be to be partnered with a true romantic you know I mean some people are like two highly sensitive people that meet in high school and they're just very close and they have this soul connection always always and whatever whatever this is not the majority of human beings so if you think that you're comparing yourself to that you know that does not happen to a lot of people because a lot of people very adaptively seek out a yin to their yang when they are in the breeding stage and if you want to pick somebody else later on on, okay, but you know, understand that that is a decision that you are making now. It may go a lot better now than it would have gone then. And as I've said over, over and over, in second marriages, highly sensitive people find each other, and non-highly sensitive people find each other. Everybody's done being the yin and yang. That shit is stressful, but it is adaptive when you are trying to create a little, basically, business of raising a family and children and balancing everything. So that is the kind of the full picture of what it means to to um, pick and be with a more romantic partner. And also, you must reflect on that you being a more romantic person yourself is not always only wonderful. It also likely goes along with the downsides of being a highly sensitive person, being easily upset, being rejection sensitive, being somebody who sometimes can't see the forest for the trees, sometimes can't get out of their own head, etc., etc., all right, um, so hopefully that was interesting to you guys, and uh, you should always be following me on social media so you could see things like my husband's uh, anniversary presents to me in real time <laughs> um, and uh, get that window into my life if you care, and if not, just follow me on TikTok where I have much more of just stuff about little videos about psychology and YouTube where... I mean, I don't know how to grow YouTube. I also don't know how to grow Twitter. I guess I should tweet something. I guess I'll go do that now. This is, like, just not my wheelhouse, um, which is strange because, like, you know, I'm old. Old people like Twitter. But anyway, <laughs> I'll talk to everybody soon. Have a great day.
Oh, I am back, and I do this so rarely that it's a special treat, but sometimes I realize that I put something into the description of the episode that I didn't actually talk about, and if somebody was was listening purely so that they understand how to attract a romantic partner, then they would have been uh, very upset that I didn't uh, include that. So there is also uh, the fact that a lot of people mistakenly believe that they could just randomly, coincidentally, luckily get a romantic partner without changing anything about their own personality. So if you have not really been with romantic men, then, you know, you probably ought to also listen to my podcast about um, when men never take care of you. Because a big part of being romantic is that you have uh, this, this kind of interdependence and a big part of romance is thinking that like this, your partner really needs you. So if it's been very hard for you to ever um, allow somebody to to take care of you and it's hard for you to need somebody and to rely on somebody and that may be totally may totally make sense given things that you learned in your family of origin and not being able to trust anybody usually goes along with that having to be self-sufficient at all times because that's what you learned is makes you safe but that is something to really work on in therapy because like it isn't very romantic to be like I'm okay I'm good you don't need to do anything for me I'm totally fine totally self-sufficient in various ways. You know, there's no man who's romantic enough that it can power through somebody who's like totally self-sufficient, you know, and if they can, it's only going to be for a little while because they are going to get very disappointed that you don't seem to like need them and yearn for them. I mean, think about it. Being self-sufficient is the antithesis of of, of saying, I need you right now. I need you with me. I Even I need your body, even just in that domain. Being self-sufficient is basically I'm cool. I'm fine. I'll just wait around, like doing my own thing, you know, scheduling my own stuff, living my own life. And then when we see each other, that's cool. And when not, not. So if you're that kind of person, whether you're male or female, and you want a very romantic partner, the thing about the romantic partner is they're really, really into you, you know? So then they want, usually, unless they're very mentally unhealthy, where their whole thing is yearning after an unrequited love, which isn't romantic, that's called preoccupied attachment. So like, they, you know, it, it wouldn't be smart to say, you know what I want in my second marriage? A preoccupied attachment husband or wife. Like, that's not good. That person's going to be jealous. They're going to be controlling. They are going to, you know, uh, be endlessly unhappy. Nothing you do is enough. And it also means you're still avoidant because if that's who you would attract. So what you instead want is a more securely attached person who is romantic. And in that case, they're not going to be drawn to somebody who could basically be totally fine without their romance and without them. They want to be really, really into somebody. So if you find it hard, whether as a male or a female, to be vulnerable in that way and to say that you really do want to spend a lot of time with your partner and to be really close and physically intimate a lot and and to be really just um, intimate a lot, you know, and to talk a lot and and whatever the case may be, you know, you're not just going to get a romantic partner that you can like you know, just layer on top of what is a completely uh, self or child focused life. And I don't mean that you're selfish. I just mean if you're the kind of person who everything, you, you basically your whole life is already scheduled out. You got this and this and this and this and the kids stuff fits around this, this and this. And you basically do not have the time or bandwidth for a lot of time with somebody, then wanting a romantic partner is not going to 
really get you anything. Plus, I'm glad that I came back here because there's another kind of romantic partner that is a, is a narcissistic person. So when people talk about love bombing, although sure, only point listen, only 0.5% of the population is diagnosable narcissists. However, you know, um, sometimes you actually find one and sometimes you find one people that have those traits. Romantic narcissists are also not who you want to be with of either type of either, you know, either gender. So a romantic narcissist is somebody that says like basically um, like like if you want a really romantic person, but they don't need to see you a lot. I would really interrogate that because it may mean that they have a whole bunch of people that that they're being equivalently romantic with across the United States. Because a person who is kind of deeply sensitive and romantic in a relationship does want to spend a lot of time with you and does want to grow interdependent. So if you are somebody who's really self-sufficient, does not have a lot of time and space for somebody in your life, you're either going to end up with somebody who's not romantic, and that may be better. You may be like, actually, do I even want that? That sounds like a lot, man. Like, do I really want you know, the romantic partner, if they're going to want to take that much of my time, if you're saying that, the answer is no. Or you're going to end up with this kind of like like uh, love bombing fake romantic person who always sends you flowers, but then is never, you know, exactly like, you know, p- pin downable about anything because they they're cool with you not being around a lot because they're doing other things too because they have other women too so a lot of like there there is this super romantic narcissistic type of person and although rates of infidelity are extremely low overall especially among women these are the people that are the cheaters these are the people that have you know extra backup partners and emotional affair partners and all these quote friends that they're also flirting with all the time that's not the kind of romantic person that you want you know so if you do really want a romantic partner in at this second half of your life or after divorce or if you're single and you're listening for the first time then you also have to be somebody who's going to prioritize the romantic relationship and give it a lot of space So if you're married and you have kids, the kids don't dictate every single thing that you do. You don't have a fully child-centered relationship because the person who values the relationship, aka is romantic, wants you to value the relationship. And a lot of people miss this very practical, obvious idea because it's the same thing as how I wrote my article, you may not want your wife to be a porn star in bed. You may not. Because the porn star in bed is dramatic, tempestuous, volatile, loves when other men look at her. You're like, man, no thanks. That's cool. Back to missionary. That shit sounds exhausting and crazy making. I'm, a, you know, I'm an esteemed physician. You know, I don't have time for that shit. You know, so like sometimes you think, oh, this more dramatic sort of person in some certain way would be better. But then you're like, wait, what about my actual personality and priorities? You know, what are those? You know? because if you are somebody who is actually happy for the first time in your life you're divorced you're totally happy not not like super not like you're like jumping on you know in the meadow of frolicking like a unicorn all the time but you know you're pretty happy you have your kids events you have your events and then on the weekend you have downtime if that's you why would you say that you want to go for somebody super romantic you probably don't. You probably want to go for somebody in a very similar situation that very pragmatically is happy to schedule like Tetris or, you know, your little times to see each other around the children's times to to see you, which you both assume is number one. So you got to really with this and everything, think about who you really are. 
you know, before you go down this delusional rabbit hole saying that your life isn't good because you don't have X. Are you, you know, the person who really wants X? So this is a lot of what therapy is very helpful with. Who are you really and what do you really want? You know, this is like, this is the key work. This is the work. People talk about therapy being work. That's the work. You know, people go in acting like they're like, you know, oh yeah, I just want this and that and this. And then we talk for like even a few sessions. It's like, wait, maybe I don't. Maybe I want this other thing because my whole entire life points to me wanting this other kind of thing. So that's just a plug for therapy as per usual. And I'll talk to you all soon.